Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of Five Rings podcast, funded by the Legend of Five Rings Community Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korva. And I'm Kikita Kaori, and we have a special guest today. Uh, we've invited Chris Ward, who is a uh, game master and otherwise patron of the Heroes of Rokugan system, which is what we're going to learn about. So welcome, Chris. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Do you think you can start out by telling us a little bit about yourself before we start talking about Heroes of Rokugan? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I am uh, from Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, I have been playing Legend of the Five Rings uh, for almost a decade and a half now, um, ever since uh, the third edition of the game. Um, I uh, For Heroes of Rokugan, I serve as the campaign administrator uh, and the head story writer. Excellent. Okay. Sounds cool. I didn't know you were here in India. That's where I am. <laughs> Right, so if you've been going since 3rd edition, and obviously we are now in 5th edition in terms of the current edition of the role-playing game, has the story been going on right from 3rd edition? Uh, I, I guess, I guess the, the, the question is, what is the Rokugan of Heroes of Rokugan like in terms of story? Uh, so there's actually a lot of history there. Heroes of Rokugan actually started as living Rokugan back in the early 2000s. Rob Hobart, who uh, people who are familiar with AEG may recognize the, as the lead editor for fourth edition, actually started Heroes of Rokugan back then as part of a contest to create a living campaign, the likes of like Living Greyhawk or D&D Adventures League. So that campaign went five years, and then he started the second iteration of Heroes of Rokugan. After he was done with the second iteration, he passed it on to Corey Mills, who is my current co-story head. They ran a five-year campaign, and then in 2015, I took over the reins as the story lead, and Corey and I have been running the campaign ever since. So there's a lot of history for Heroes of Rokugan. It's not; It hasn't always just been the one campaign that we're running right now. Mm -hmm. So people who might not know what a living campaign like you know you say you know it, it's like uh yeah what, what is a living campaign in that sense uh sure so the the basics of a living campaign is that it's a module based campaign where everybody plays the same set of modules or adventure paths the the big one that I always liken it to is Adventures League, which is the living campaign for uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So we write the story, we hand the stories off to GMs, and then the GMs go and they run these modules for players. And it all serves an overarching story arc that we tell typically over five years. All right. So that's sort of what Heroes of Rokugan is then. It's a ongoing campaign with a bunch of smaller adventures in an ongoing campaign over five years telling a story of this world of Rokugan, right? Correct. Okay. How do people join Heroes of Rokugan? Um, so the easiest way, obviously, we run at Gen Con every year. So like, if you're just walking around Gen Con and you see a flyer for Heroes of Rokugan, you're always welcome to come up to our booth. But the easiest way, honestly, is for a GM to grab a module and just run it for their friends. We don't have horribly complex entry requirements or anything like that. We have a simple sign-up page where you sign up a player number so we can have all of your results recorded, and then you just play. Oh, okay. Cool. And then you hold events too, right? 
Uh, yes. Right, well, you hold Gen Con. We attend two events per year and then host a third. The two major events that we do are Gen Con, and then there's a convention in Kansas City called Midwest Game Fest. And then every March, we hold a weekend in Rokugan, which is a weekend that we hold that is just Legend of the Five Rings and nothing else. Right. Now, I understand that there's tabletop role-playing of the sort that we are familiar with, but there's also other things such as live-action role-playing. Uh, can you give us some more information about the LARP side of things? Yes. So at our major in-person conventions, we host, we call them interactives, but functionally they are LARPs. The, the basic gist is we bring all the clans together. They have an order sheet of things that they need to accomplish, and we give them tools with which to do that, whether in some cases we give them a lot of latitude to make decisions to provide resources to other clans or things like that, but we also give them actual physical representations of their court influence so that they are able to go out and have a concrete way to say, this is the thing that we are supporting. And then after four hours, we figure out the results, and whatever gets decided at the interactive affects what happens in the overall story. Right. So I think I think that's possibly one of the unique things in terms of, of Legend of Five Rings. So there is an ongoing story, and what the individuals do, not just yeah in the big interactors, but also some of the stuff you do in the modules, can have a lasting effect in the heroes of Rock Again story. Right. So one of the things we do is that there's a reporting period. After a module is released for home play, there's a three-month period where we collect questions about the important things that PCs did during those modules. And we tally up the results, and based on those results, we find out how those actions affected the story. So is that in collective, like most of the people found this bad guy and thwarted their plans, that's what will go forwards. But if if they didn't end up getting the princess married off to the right person, then that's what goes forward into the into the mainline story. Right, exactly. And then, I mean, some other examples. There have been situations where we've written to, into a module that a character is fated to die. And there's there's no way you are going to stop him from dying. But the way he dies is very important, especially in a, in a land like Rokugan. The way somebody dies is just as important as their death. And in one particular instance, that decision that the PCs made had effects on the Emperor. So, yeah, so it can, it can really have a big effect. Right, exactly. So in addition to your live-action role-playing games, you have battle interactives? Can you tell us what those are? Uh, so we run these at Gen Con. These are special one-off big battle events that often, uh, just like with the political interactives, often have grand implications for the rest of Rokugan. Our best example actually comes from Gen Con this last year, where the Phoenix were rebelling against the Emperor, and the PCs were charged with stopping them. And it was really, really close. The Emperor almost died, and it took a couple of PCs sacrificing their lives to make sure that didn't happen. Wow. That is quite a big thing. Yeah. When you do these manual interactives, basically, if I recall correctly, this is like you have a room full of tables and a game master for each table. And all the players for that table are around the same level. And the game master at that table takes you through the battle scenario 
for the level you're at. You're at some part of the battle, right? Correct. And then you tally the results? Yes, exactly. We're very careful about making sure that we don't run into situations where, like, we hand a person playing their first module with the people who've played every single module in the campaign. Because, you know, that wouldn't really be fun for them. <laughs> we have a brilliant team of writers who write these battle interactives. They make sure that they ha we have encounters that everybody can have fun with. And more importantly, that even the low-ranked characters who are just coming in can go do something and feel impactful. Because, yeah, you're probably not fighting the Phoenix Clan champion, but you can, you can still go out and cover you know cover an important flank or stop an ambush that would cause problems for the shogun so we we are very careful to make sure everybody's contributions matter yeah that, that is an important thing because you're going to have people who have been with the thing for years and years and years and people who've just turned up first time yeah absolutely you want absolutely everyone being able to contribute in some way so if someone's interested in getting started with Heroes of Rock again, let's start with, it, with uh, a GM who's interested in getting started. How, what would be your recommendation? How should they get involved? Sure. Ideally, I always suggest people start as a player because for me at least, it's more fun to experience them, experience the modules, and then take that experience and share it with your friends. But sometimes, sometimes that's not possible. So my recommendation, if you're just getting started, would be to, to create an account on our website. It's heroes-of-rokugan.net. Request the first three modules and give them a good readover. I never recommend in any module, let alone ours, never recommend running a module cold. Then you just take those modules and you run, run for your friends. And that's the whole process. And, and apart from anything else, the Heroes of Rock again, it's a huge repository of modules to run for Legend of the Five Rings. Right. I mean, just our campaign at this point is probably going to be close to 70 modules by the time all is said and done. And we also have like 95% of HOR3 available on the website that you don't even need to sign up. You can just grab the modules and go. And that's another 64 modules as well. So there is no shortage of content for people who are interested in getting into things. That sounds so brilliant. It's such a, it's such a huge resource, yeah. Absolutely. So if you were a player and either you've got a, a game master or you've got Gen Con coming up and you were thinking about... Um, you know, making a character for them. Uh, what what are your recommendations for the kinds of characters that work well in these campaigns? And also, uh, are there any restrictions on characters or classes? What edition are you playing? I mean, a lot of our listeners are playing fifth. So we are playing fourth edition. This campaign started two years before the fifth edition book came out. So it is 4th edition. It is an older system. If you come to our events, we have books, and we're glad to teach you. As far as characters go, the first thing I should note is that there is a character creation document. It's on the forums. It's on the Discord server. Make sure you read that first, because there are some schools and there are some advantages and disadvantages that we do not allow. Especially schools. Right. <laughs> a good example 
would be the Marito Bushi, the Ox Bushi school. HR3 is, or HR4 rather, is sort of a continuation of HR3. 200 years in the future, you don't have to have played HR3 to understand what's happening in HR4. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but a consequence of things that happened in HR3 is that the Ox Clan never happened, so there's no Ox Clan school. Okay. And I think I think that's a key a- aspect of here's the Rocket. It's set in a different time period to I mean in, in, not even there is yeah, it's been running for a while and therefore history's moved on. It's actually deliberately set in a different time period so that you can have a clean slate and if people change stuff or become a champion of a clan, that's fine. You're not deposing Doji Hotaru or Hotori, depending on which which is where you started. But you know, you, yeah, you got you got a whole new one, and you can do what you want. It gives you more freedom. Yeah, and, and yeah, uh, we we do that deliberately because I, I think it helps make those decisions feel like they matter. Because you don't walk into this and say, "Okay, we're at X time period, but things kind of have to go this way because that's what canon says." In HR3, which took place during the War of Spirits in the original canon, the very, very first module, slight spoilers for HR3, killed Isawa Keide. So from the first 20 minutes of the first module, Corey had straight up said, we are not following the same path. Yeah, we're, we're in the Kelvin timeline. Right. <laughs> Is it the same path up until, up through Day of Flender? Uh, so... It goes through what you would expect the second day of thunder to be. The soft break actually happens during the Battle of Volturnum, where some small changes that wouldn't be noticed by the players happen. More specifically, Beijiatsuki doesn't go back to the Scorpion Lands. He kills an Imperial and masquerades as an Imperial. Oh, okay. And that sort of diverts the path from there. Very nice, cool. okay. Yeah. And and then Heroes of Rockland 4 is even further deliberately kind of isolated. Yes, we we took it 200 years into the future of HOR3, and we did that specifically, one, so that the, the actions of the PCs from HOR3 could have had time to fade into legend. So they could be referenced and they could be subtly referenced, but you're not feeling the ripple effects from what those PCs did nearly so strongly. And the second reason is because it gave me latitude to manipulate the history right before to where I wanted it to be for the campaign. Yeah, though you you would have more flexibility instead of if because you, if you're running at the right at the end of HR three, that's what you've got. Right, exactly. And there may well be things that aren't available, or you know, we can't we can't use that person because, or we can't use that faction because, in the wrong place, wrong time. Now it's 200. Everyone's where we want them to be. How handy. <laughs> <laughs> and this, is, and this uh, last season has been going on for quite a while now. Yes. HR of four. Is it, is it wrapping up? or? Yes. So the original intention was that HOR 4 was going to wrap up last year. However, we all know what happened in 2020. 
And so we, uh, we as a staff came together and decided that rather than trying to fit the whole remainder of the story into an online format that wasn't suitable for it, that we would rather extend things out, give a little bit more time, which also gave us a little bit of chance to let some plot threads breathe a little bit more. So, you know, an unintended happy accident there. But that delay then brings it to HOR4 will be wrapping up its storyline this year at Gen Con. Okay, wow. And I I guess, I don't don't know if, if, I mean, that's possibly far enough in the future for you. Uh, Are we thinking, what do you plan? Do you have plans for five or are you just going to... No, no, that's for future me. Uh, there is already a plan in place for HOR5. The current plan is to go ahead and update to 5th edition. Uh, so starting with HOR5, our 5th edition players can come in and play 5th edition. It's an appropriate number, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and then I will be actually passing the, the story lead title on to, uh, to another, which will be announced a little closer to time. Oh, okay. Well, congratulations on your uh, time as story lead, and and they'll have some big shoes to fill. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, what are some of your favorite favorite moments from the game that you can tell us? I mean, the battle interactives and the LARPs, for example, are are one shot anyway. So yeah, so. In the second year of the campaign, our battle interactive centered around a war between the crab and the lion. It came to its climax at the Battle of Kudamura. Uh, Kudamura, for those who are not as familiar with the geography of Rokugan, is the main place where the crab grow their rice. And the lion did this not to try to cripple the crab, but because the crab had been giving little skirmishes and pulling back, and then giving little skirmishes and then pulling back. So the lion champion said, okay, I'm going to go hit you where you can't ignore me. Because he wanted to fight. (laughs) Because he's a lion. He's a lion. The lion want to fight. So the clans deliberated, decided who was going to support the lion and who was going to support the crab. And that determined where PCs were going to go for the battle interactive. And so at the end of the battle interactive, two tables, one side got to fight the crab clan champion. The other side got to fight the Lion Clan champion. The table fighting the Lion Clan champion was all scorpions and crabs. (laughs) So they come up, they get some good shots in, and then they watch as the Lion Clan champion murders their best duelist in one shot. And they look at each other, and in perfect crab and scorpion fashion, they say, Ah, beans, we're going to go. Well, if it, was, if it was proper scorpion fashion, it would be, aha, all according to our plan. Sure, sure. We're going to go. <laughs> and then you go over to the Crab Clan champion fight, and it's it's full of lion and crane, and there's a, there's a monkey PC there. Toku family, that is, of course, an old AEG canon clan. And from the go, those PCs know that they are overmatched. It takes them no time at all to realize we cannot win this fight. And they fight it out to the bitter end. And the Crab Clan champion kills them to a man. I cannot think of a more perfect dichotomy than having two tables, one table who realizes that they can't win, 
and does the pragmatic thing and leaves. And another that realizes that they can't win and says, then we're going to go out fighting. That's awesome. I love that kind of story for L5R. And that story doesn't fully end because that was the last round. The end result of the battle is that the crab narrowly held Kudamura, which for, for what we had planned didn't just mean that the crab won, but it also meant that the lion champion and the crab champion met on the field and killed each other in a karmic strike. Oh. Oh. Oh, dear. <laughs> that's going to put the cat amongst the pigeons. That sounds awesome. That's, yeah. that's a great kind of story. You got any good stories from um, any LARPs? Yeah, actually, this most recent LARP, we had set it up so that the Phoenix players were not on the overall Phoenix's side. And we'd set that up by having enough doubt in the Phoenix clan that the Phoenix PCs could say, okay, we can justly stand up to this. And at the end, when we win, we know we will be backed by who the leadership that remains. But one of the players was Honor 10 and could not reconcile what the master of water who was the mastermind behind everything was doing and so at, at the very beginning of the larp she walks up to the master of water and challenges him to a duel that she knows she cannot win and the master of water tells her if you want to duel me then you will meet me on the battlefield her response is to draw her wakizashi and commit seppuku on the floor in front of him oh wow Mmm. It's a big dramatic moment. Yeah. And that was the start of the, the interactive. <laughs> that was the start of the LARP, not the end of it. <laughs> I, I think I've seen uh, more than one uh, seppuku in LARPs, so in kind of dramatic moments. We have been blessed with a player base that in many, many cases understands when it is their time. And not every game can say that. So it really makes for, for great dramatic moments. Well, um, we will definitely make sure we have in our show notes links so people can go to your websites, go to your discords and ask all the questions. I know that when I have played, uh, everyone has been super friendly and very helpful. So if you are if any of our listeners are interested at all in doing this, I definitely encourage them to to reach out. Maybe you'll have some 5th edition people coming in. Good luck with the conversion, or the, the challenge of stepping up for the next edition. <laughs> there, there definitely are many. Yeah, there are. It's, it's very, very different. And if, if you could just give out the website name again for the for listeners. Sure, absolutely. It is heroes of dash rokugan.net excellent thank you you're very welcome it was a blast being here oh thanks great having you on yeah it was all right well uh that's it for us uh this week uh thanks again to chris ward for showing up and talking to us today we wanted to give a shout out to our sister podcast fortune and strife which is our affiliated actual play podcast though it's on a hiatus right now as well as our friends at d20 radio we also wanted to give a shout out to our patrons including our patrons archer v or vitality and Philip B or Combat Medic Bushi, and also to Jamie H. Thank you for being patrons of our podcast. We really appreciate it. We could not do this without you. Our content is funded by the Community Discord Patreon, 
And that supports our editing costs and also our website, which you can use to find longer-term information. We've got summaries of our podcasts. We've got RPG articles, game tools, and a lot more. And our show notes all appear there for each of our episodes. For our patrons, we've got special bonus content like Adventure Seeds, early access to our podcasts, and more. Online, you can find us at our website, courtgamespod.com. On Twitter, we are twitter.com slash courtgamespod. And you can find us at Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. But that is it for us this week. This is Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I have been Korva. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy.